The following is an encore broadcast from March of last year. Sold the movie is now available on digital platforms. Hello and welcome. I'm Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening in as we continue to talk with leaders in our community. Well, this morning we're going to talk about the opening of a new movie as well as the horrible crime of modern-day sex slavery and human trafficking. Both topics intermingle with our guest today, the producer of a new movie called Sold, Jane Charles. Jane is also co-founder of a local nonprofit called Stolen Youth that raises awareness and funds to support the rescue and recovery of sexually exploited youth. Jane Charles, welcome. Thanks for coming today. Hi, Gary. Thanks for having me. Glad to have you because we've got an important topic to talk about, and you do it in a creative way through a film that is coming out. Uh, it's called Sold. Sold the movie, right? It's about to have wide release around the country. April 15th. Sold is now available on digital platforms for download or streaming. It's not just a documentary about a heavy topic like human trafficking. It's uh, it's based on real circumstances. It takes place in India, right, and Nepal. Um, where did the idea, I'll, get, I'll give you a big opening here to talk about all sorts of things, uh, you know, the idea from the movie, the novel, uh, the, the real things that happen in India and Nepal. Go ahead, I guess, pick A, B, or C, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, Well, we read the book. Jeffrey Brown, the director, and I read the book, Sold. Sold is based on a novel by Patricia McCormick. It's been translated into 32 languages globally, has won several awards. It was nominated for a National Book Award. And we read the book, and it, you know, it floored both of us. We didn't, you know, we had heard about brothel areas in India and a little bit about trafficking, but really didn't know the issue. This was eight years ago. So the book was written in 2006. We optioned the book to make it into a film in 2007. And a week later, it was nominated for a National Book Award. And then we had a script written and we started the journey, really researching, you know, this issue. We wanted to be as authentic as possible with the film. And so Jeffrey and I followed the same path that the writer of the book, Patricia McCormick, followed through India and Nepal and met with all of the NGOs that she met with who now introduced you have to stop us. stop there when you use acronyms. NGO, non... Non-governmental non agency. Oh, right, okay. So a non-profit. <laughs> right. And, you know, the, and so these are were... Um, people looking into this issue already. You met up and hooked up with some Working on the, the front lines. These are the people on the front lines in the brothel areas, rescuing, rehabilitating, and helping these victims of trafficking, now survivors. And so they're... Um, they helped inform us a great deal. We spent a lot of time with organizations like Apniap and New Light, um, Shakti Shamuha, Mighty Nepal and Nepal. Um, Anuradha Kerala is a CNN hero, and she rescues girls on the border between India and Nepal. And our story takes place in Nepal and India. It's about a young girl living in a village in Nepal that's trafficked into a city in India, into a brothel area. And it's structured, the film is kind of like Shawshank Redemption in that she is in this brothel, which is sort of like a prison, and she takes care of everyone around her while she plots her escape. Yeah. And so we won't tell the ending, but it's, um, it is, you know, it's very true to life. We met a lot of survivors. We heard their stories. 
That was the most difficult part of this journey, was really seeing things firsthand. You know, that's a question I did want to ask, so I might as well jump in right now. As you researched this, you didn't, I mentioned the nonprofit you're involved in here in town, Stolen Youth, but you, that was because of what you learned as a filmmaker, right? You came back and this impacted you. What surprised you or what did you learn that you, you that maybe floored you uh, as you went, wow, I can't believe it's this big or this wide or it hurts this much. I don't know. What were your, some of those initial reactions that made you say, I've really got to make a great film now? Well, we met so many survivors and seeing them firsthand, what we realized is these are still children. They may be 15, 16, 17 years old, but they're still children and their spirits are not broken. They've been through a horrible experience, but they got out and now they, they, you know, we need to help them find new lives and we need to do three things. These are the things we want to do with the film. Educate and prevent trafficking, help heal survivors so they can move on with their lives and help educate, vocationally train and um, train survivors to be leaders so they can help other survivors, um, you know, in the future. And it, you know, it was as we met the nonprofits, we really realized that these were the areas that we could, with the film, have the most impact. Uh, but getting back to the the beginning of Stolen Youth, we were researching um, the film in India and Nepal, and some of our supporters and investors came over to meet. The, the NGOs and see um, the brothel areas and see this issue firsthand as well. We invited them to come with us and they were um, of course emotionally um, devastated by what they saw and we knew that the film would be a large entry point to the global issue and when we all came back to Seattle because the, all five of them were from Seattle we started looking at it, does this occur in the U.S.? Does this happen here? We really didn't know what it looked like here. Um, it looks a little bit different, but yes. And we found out that Washington has um, a big problem. The whole I-5 corridor between Vancouver, B.C. and Mexico is a, a well-trafficked trafficking corridor where people can be moved up and down I-5. And Portland and Seattle in particular have a, a big problem with sex trafficking. Hmm. Wow. So locally, things are being done. There are several groups. Uh, you guys just, I think, sponsored a town hall meeting a couple of months ago to raise awareness about it here locally. There are several groups that do that kind of rescuing and rehabilitating and uh, all sorts of things. So Stolen Youth sort of funds or brings awareness to those folks, right? Right. Yeah. And they've been our mentors here. We decided not to start our own um service providing nonprofit here. What we do is we're advocates and fundraisers. We have our yearly um, in January town hall meeting where we inform the community about what's happened that year, what's new, what are the new focus, what are the new programs and focuses we have for the year. Education was the big one this year. Working with businesses to um, show them how they are affected by trafficking and then we have our luncheon. Our yearly luncheon is April 18th at the Sheridan in Seattle. And every year we raise 750 to 800,000 to support five local organizations. And they've 
really these people that are on the front lines in Seattle have been our mentors. They're the ones doing the work. We're just supporting them and advocating for them. So this topic, I mean, and people, I guess in the last several years, maybe since this book Sold came out, um, that's when I've sort of realized, hey, this is going on locally, and this movie is going to raise awareness. Yeah, it's in India. It takes place there, but this is not a unique thing to uh, third world countries or places, small towns that are off the big grid. This happens in ev- everywhere, cities like Seattle, and hopefully you want to make a movie that uh, brings people to awareness as well. It's kind of um, a movie with cause, right? I mean, <laughs> it's different, right? It's a different kind than uh, a regular entertainment film. You want to raise some awareness and get people to actually do something, right? Right. Well, Human trafficking is a $150 billion business wow. <laughs> worldwide. Now, that, that sounds like a staggering number. That's like second to the drug trade, probably. It is second only to the drug trade. And so we decided... Hundreds of billions, hundreds of billions of dollars. Billions. Wow. Billions. I mean, people are, unfortunately, very easy to buy and sell. Um, and there are many forms. There's labor trafficking, sex trafficking... We're really concentrating on child trafficking with the film and with Stolen Youth and with the other partners that the film has, which I'll, I'll tell you a bit about. But the, um, you know, what we f- wanted to do with the film and what we set out to do is create more awareness. And we knew that was number one, is we wanted to create a film, a narrative film, not a documentary, because we wanted millions and millions of people to see the film and to learn about the issue and learn about how they can help end trafficking. And we really do believe that this this is not a hopeless issue, that if enough people are aware of this issue, if governments, nonprofits, and businesses all work together and enough money and resources are put toward stopping this trade, that it will eventually end. And, you know, so let's let's talk a little bit more about the movie. People should see it. It's very powerful. I saw it at a uh, film festival myself a while ago. It's it's an excellent film and an excellent story. You want to keep watching it, and then you go away thinking, wow, this is real. It has an impact, and I think you've accomplished that. So you've got, um, let's talk about the cast and the crew. So the credits, you've got, well, you mentioned Jeffrey Brown, the director. He's an Academy Award-winning director, right? You've also got an Academy Award-winner uh and one of the executive directors, right? Emma Thompson. Emma Thompson's the executive producer. And you've right. got a couple of American stars, Gillian Anderson and David Arquette, in it. But it's real; they're in it. But it's really about this Lakshmi as the character, right? And so she, she is, is yeah. uh, Indian or Nepalese. She's she's just, Indian, but she's from northern India. She's just a teenager herself, right? This actress. She is. She she's was awesome. Where did you find her? <laughs> Where, how it took you, us a long time to find... Is she an actress there? Or her. Is this her first real film or what? She had done a short film and some theater in school, but she was the best actress we saw for the role, for sure. We had an amazing casting director, Tess Joseph, in India, and she sent out a team. Now, remember, this is a, a low-budget independent film. This is not a big Hollywood budget okay. movie. And so we had a grassroots team, you know, a team of people with a camera going out to schools and theater companies in cities throughout India and in Nepal looking for the girl to play Lakshmi. And this took about nine months to find her, but we looked at thousands of videos of auditions and then narrowed it down to ten. And, but but Niar really stood out. Her name is Niar Sekia, and she's amazing. She's rivet. You know, you just 
or riveted to the screen when she's on the screen. She is absolutely, I mean, her expression, the, the, the acting she does with just her face and her eyes, I mean, riveting is, is the right word. I, she's awesome. What's her name again? Nair? Niar Sekia. Niar. And there's also, um, if I'm remembering the film, I saw it a while ago, a little boy who plays the character Harish. He is really young, right? He's delightful. Is He's he re- very young, and he had actually done some TV acting. He's been in a couple of television series. But we, when we went to do callbacks, which means, you know, we had done the casting about a year prior because it took us a while to, to put the funds together to make the film. You know, it's an independent film story. You know, the it, we had planned to shoot the film. I think it was 2011. We actually shot 2012 into 2013. But we had cast everyone, gone to India, and cast everybody there in Mumbai, and then uh, came back, and then we went back for some location scouting. When we were ready to shoot the film, and we brought everyone together to do callbacks um, to reintroduce them and and see what was going on the the boy we had cast for Harish was who was supposed to be younger than Lakshmi was now a foot taller oh, no. than Lakshmi <laughs> so we had to recast that role um and he and he was great about it the boy that we had cast um we actually had him in a, as an extra oh and good so the um we went to Calcutta to location scout, and while we were in Calcutta, we did some casting there of children in theater troops and schools. And um, Septarshi, who's the boy who played Harish, was in one of the auditions, and we just could not stop laughing. Uh, he's delightful. It is, I mean, every time he's on screen, I was waiting. Oh, he's going to do something cute or funny or clever. He's cl- he's got a great. He's a clever character. Yeah. He's very clever, and he his audition was great. And the funny thing is he's got so much energy, and it, that really does, you see that when he's on screen. But um, while we were shooting, that was an interesting thing to work with because he did not stop moving. So we would give him a spot to stand, <laughs> and we'd set the camera, and he'd just keep moving around. So um, Jeffrey, the director, worked with that and set up some scenes where he could keep moving in the scene. But He's adorable, and it was important to us, really, to have lighter scenes with the children because it is a dark subject matter, and this is an hour-and-a-half film. We need people to feel like they really get the story, but we didn't want it to be too devastating or dark to watch. And so we brought in a lot of music. We brought in a lot of scenes with the children so that we could come in and out of that darkness. And you accomplished that because I commented on that later to my wife. I said, it, it's not a horror film like you'd think of the subject matter. There is charm. We fall in love. We care about these characters and we see their ups and downs. It's not just down. They do have some ups in their daily lives. You captured that. I thought it was it was terrific. We were talking this morning about a problem most people like to ignore. It's modern day slavery and the trafficking of women and children for sexual exploitation with Jane Charles. Uh, she is the producer of the new film Sold. It's open Opening here in town April 15th. It'll play at least for. You are listening to an encore broadcast from March of last year. Sold has now been released on digital platforms in the U.S. It is available on demand in 50 million households and is on sale on iTunes, Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, and more. The film will be released theatrically starting April 1st in New York, and like you said, April 15th in Seattle and San Francisco, and will roll out in different cities just like any feature film. And then uh, while that's happening, and even now, people can go to our website, which is 
soldthemovie.com. Oh, I'm glad you mentioned that. I forgot to say it. Sold, uh, just like it sounds, pretty simple. Soldthemovie.com. And go to screenings, and you can request a screening in your area. So we have a list of the screenings that are already booked theatrically. And so, of course, if you see your theater there, you can click on that, purchase tickets online, or just show up at, at the theater, you know, when it's showing. Uh, but, or if you don't see it showing in your area, you can actually click um, Bring It to My City and choose. It's very easy. You just put in your uh, zip code. It shows the theaters that are available in your city. You can request a screening. It goes onto a map on a site, on the Tug site. Um, so if you click uh, Bring It to My City on our site, it takes you to the sign-up on the Tug site. And Tug is a cinema-on-demand model where... If you request a screening in your area, that request goes up on the site, and people in that area, anytime they're searching on Tug for this film, will see your screening requested, Uh and they can purchase tickets online. The trick to it is you have to purchase tickets ahead of time. You can't just show up at the theater for a Tug screening, and when enough tickets are purchased the film will show in that theater. Ah, and so, so then the way social media works these days, you say to your friends or people who are like-minded like you, or whether it's your uh, Rotarians or your, your women's group, your book club, your church group, hey, uh, there's this film sold, and I've requested it to play, let's say, I don't know if there's a screen in Tacoma, maybe Tacoma wants to have it, and they all say, oh, yeah, let's all click and go there, and, and that sort of generates the Right, the you can set it. up a, a Facebook page to invite people to the screening. We'll have posters and flyers available, postcards on our site that can be download, downloaded and printed. Um, you can email friends, and you can, you know, of course, put it out on social media and any newsletters with your groups. But this is a way that a community can come together and see the film. And often uh, screenings are requested by community groups, you know, where it's a church group that wants to have a screening. They request it, and then they bring everyone out to the theater yeah. to see it. Awesome. Uh, That's a great way to use uh, the power of the Internet uh, in a positive thing. So let me ask this, Jane, about how then hard it is to get a film like this made that is an independent film with a heavy subject. I don't know if Hollywood uh, uh, studios want to touch things that are, yeah, that might not make us millions of hundreds of millions like we like to make. But you've got, I mean, to get those American stars, Gillian Anderson, David Arquette, in it, and that helps. But... What's it like to make a film like this, this cause-based uh, film? It was the most difficult thing I've <laughs> ever done in my life. I was thinking about how to say that, but it was just okay, well, very that, difficult. That's and the it, answer. That's the answer. And it was, um, but the most gratifying now. You know, this was back in, you know, when we optioned the book in 2007 and into th- 2008, when we're having the script written and talking to people about it. No one was talking about human trafficking at the time. Now it's in the news everywhere. It, it, like I said, it's gotten a little traction. People mm-hmm. know what's going on. They haven't, you know, some people are taking action. Like you said, there's some movements here in Seattle and other big cities. But yeah, it needs a lot of work to, <laughs> yeah. And to make a film, you ha- actually have to have some money. <laughs> so we had to, you know, being no the doubt. filmmakers, Jeffrey and I actually raised all the funds for the film ourselves. And we decided to go a different route because. This is a cause-based film, and cause-based films are usually documentaries. Yeah. And documentaries are, you know, fairly inexpensive, depending on what the subject matter is and where you're traveling, fairly inexpensive compared to a narrative film. Because a narrative film, you're renting out locations, you're paying actors, 
um, there's there's there are more logistics that go right. into it, um, and you have a large crew. Whereas a documentary can be two or three people traveling around with a camera. But it was important to us to make a narrative film because we felt that a narrative film would be seen by more people. That this could go more easily go um, to a global audience. And we shot the film in English which was a big decision because we shot it in India. It could have easily been Hindi, mm. but we wanted it to be easily um, translated into other languages and dubbed into other languages, so we have minimum dialogue in the film. But we raised the funds. What we decided to do was raise the funds from philanthropists who believed in what we were doing, because you're right. We went to L.A. to raise funds. We went to New York. We went to India and, of course, all of the big companies um, didn't get what we wanted to do. And they couldn't understand why we wanted to put so much time and energy into, you know, making one film and distributing one film. And to us, this is what it's all about, you know, the outreach and actually creating change with the film. Yeah. So let me go to that then before we only maybe have a couple of minutes to talk on one more topic. And if that is, what do you expect or hope people do after they see a film like this. This is sold. We're talking about sold, folks. Sold the movie. Uh, you can look it up online, soldthemovie.com. I think there's still a trailer or two playing there, right? People can click and get a good two minutes of, wow, this is a big deal. Uh, so when they see sold, the movie, what do you hope people do or think or, you know, some kind of action, right? Yeah. And, and people do, you do when people see this film, they want to know how they can help. The first thing we have people do is text SOLD to 51555 to join our campaign to end child trafficking. And say that again because people might have just picked up a pencil. What did she say? What did she say? Text SOLD, S-O-L-D, to the number 51555 and hit SEND and you'll get a message saying thank you for joining the campaign. And we will be sending out updates and information about things that are happening, a petition that can be signed, um, you know, where the film's screening. For us, you know, the first, what we've seen is we know that when people see the film, it has impact. They're moved to do something. And so the first thing we need to do is make sure millions of people see this film. So please tell people about the film. Go to our website, soldthemovie.com backslash screenings and sign up for screening in your area. Go to see the film in the theater. And then um, the, the other things that you can do are talk about the issue. This is an issue that has to be talked about from an early age. It's about gender equality. It's an economic issue. But boys and girls have to, um, probably in junior high school, we're looking at an educational component for as early as junior high, start talking about what this issue looks like in the U.S. and how can it be prevented um, the Sold is a young adult novel, so we made the film so that it can be seen by high school and college kids, and we really want them to be the next abolitionists. We want them to be the ones that end this issue eventually, um, and it can be done. But we have partners. Child Reach International came up with the Taught Not Trafficked campaign, and Taught Not Trafficked is about keeping children in school because if you keep a child in any country... In school until the age of 16, they're 80% less likely to be trafficked. Wow. That's a great statistic to hear that things work. I was, I was kind of going to go there. What, you know, after we've talked about uh, it's starting to get traction as an awareness appraisal, has, any, has anything been working yet? And so we, 
you there is evidence that changes help Yes, yeah, there, there's a lot happening now, you know, already just with awareness. But specifically, Child Reach International had a screening last month in the UK and raised 30,000 British pounds to help rebuild schools in Nepal. So Taught Not Trafficked is an umbrella that can grant to rebuild schools in Nepal for vocational training and for um, healing through different modalities, including IRS, Yoga Nidra, healing survivors so they can move on with their lives. And so part of what we'll be doing as we release the film, we'll be having specific screenings to fundraise for these programs through Taught Not Trafficked. Excellent. And uh, in the future, i only got a minute or so left, you're going to make like a different cut of the film, and more of an educational version eventually? Yes. Something. We just started cutting an educational version of the film. It's 50 minutes long. So that's a down-the-road thing that may be in a classroom setting? or It will be available for high schools, um, classrooms, community screenings, and TV eventually because they like a shorter version. But we just sent the rough cut into the MPAA for ratings, and happily we got a PG-13 rating on the, the shorter oh, version of the film. So that's great. That means it can be seen, you know, throughout high schools in oh, the U.S. I see, yeah. Oh, we have we are talking with Jane Charles. She is a film producer. The movie is sold, and it is opening April 15th through the 21st here in town at the Sunday. You are listening to an encore broadcast from March of last year. Sold has now been released on digital platforms in the U.S. It is available on demand in 50 million households and is on sale on iTunes and Amazon, Google Play, Vimeo, and more. Great. So look for that. Uh, if I've left anything out, so it's big picture time. You can talk about people, you know, what you want people to do, what we didn't say about the film or the website or trafficking in general. Uh, what do you hope people remember most about this giant topic? <laughs> that really this is this is hopeful. You know, this is something that we can end, and we all have to have that focus in order for things to change. We have to believe that this is an issue that can be stopped. And the film is just one piece of that. But if we can get the film out widely, it will affect a lot of change globally. So go to soldthemovie.com, see where the screenings are happening, and request a screening if you don't see one. Yeah, great idea, folks. And as you were talking, I was just thinking, the character Gillian Anderson plays uh, sort of the way I, as the, I don't know, suburban American uh, identified with the, the topic. She's, she's there, she sees us, and is flabbergasted by it and wants to do something. That's, is that, <laughs> am I picking that out right? Is that why no, she's... No, that's right. And that's really why, because there was a small character, you know, short scene with a, char- a photographer in the book. And so we expanded on that, that her, Jillian's character is based on the humanitarian photographer Lisa Christine, who's a friend of ours, she travels around the world photographing slavery and has amazing photography. But so uh, we really brought Jillian's character in more so that there was a character that we could relate to. Yeah. That there was a character you thought, oh, I could go do that. But we want to be clear that we can't just jump into that world and start rescuing um, children. We have to work with the NGOs and the people on the ground there. They're the ones who are experts and know what to do. Uh, but it's great that for us to care, and it's great for us to put our 
time, talent, and treasure toward ending this issue. Yeah. So the movie, I'll say it again as we wrap up, folks. The movie is sold. It has uh, starring Gillian Anderson, David Arquette. Jane Charles is the producer. Thank you so much for being here. Again, it opens uh, April 15th. You have been listening to an encore broadcast from March of last year. Sold the Movie is now available on digital platforms. You can stream or download this award-winning film on Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, Vimeo, Comcast, and more. Jane, thank you so much for being here, and a much bigger thanks for what you're doing for those being exploited uh, by this commercial sex trade around the world through this movie and through all your other work. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much, Gary. Great to see you. I am Gary Scheib. Thanks for listening today. We hope you've learned something new. Join us again next week as we continue to talk with people that are making a difference in our community. I'm Kate Daniels. Jan Edwards is an author, speaker, and coach. Jan is well-known for her leadership skills and has been really dedicated in using all her skills in a critical area that is literally killing kids, certainly the souls of some of our youth, those who are lured into sex trafficking. As January is Sex Trafficking Awareness Month, it's ideal to have Jan join us and guide us with understanding and how we can take action. Jan Edwards, good morning. Thank you so greatly for being with us this morning. Thank you, Kate. I really do appreciate the opportunity. And it is just so critically important. I I don't know that we could even say just strongly enough how critically important it is. The work that you are doing along the lines of sex trafficking, saving the lives of our youth, literally, those lives, if not actually their souls, being just totally demolished by this horrendous activity that's going on in our country. And, I mean, it's stunning, isn't it? It is. It really is shocking. And, you know, Kate, most people think human trafficking is an over there kind of issue you know it happens over there and then that over there could be you know overseas Europe whatever that is what people don't know is that according to the National Homeland Security over 300,000 children a year are lured into this lifestyle right here in the United States And Jan, isn't it so, here you are located in Florida, we're here in the Northwest, right along the coast, Mm -hmm. doesn't that really have a critical role to play in it somehow? Well, you know, sadly enough, Kate, (laughs) people would get shocked when I tell them this, so Florida has the third highest number of calls into the National Trafficking Hotline. Ohio, which is landlocked, is number four. So... It's not so much about is it's near a coastline. It happens in every zip code of every county of this country. And that's really the shocking part. I was, I was pulling up some information ab- about Seattle, and it's estimated that up to 500 teens, some as young as 12 years old, are working as sex slaves every day in King County. And that just, my mind just really goes blank because that Mm -hmm. seems so utterly impossible. But obviously the statistics are there. It is happening right here in our community. Mm -hmm. It is. And, And that's the, you know, a lot of times when I go out and speak, people are kind of left in this one of three spaces. They're in denial, like there's just no way that can happen. And I was right there too, right? That's really what propelled me into really looking more into this, how this was happening, because I just couldn't believe it. And the second space is people get really angry. 
and that's really what had me write my film. <laughs> it's like, hang on a second, this just doesn't work for me. I want to do something about it. And lastly is helplessness. People hear the $32 billion industry, 300,000 children. Who am I to even make a difference? And it really is up to us. It is up to the who am I to make a difference because it's, it's really simple what we can do. And we actually have created a customizable educational program for people. But every time I have a conversation with, with anyone, I share with them a really important phone number to put in their phone. So I'm going to share with your listeners the same phone number. It's the number of the National Trafficking Hotline. And they're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And they have access to over 150 languages. So really anyone from around the globe can pick up the phone and call. And they go through a quick assessment to see, you know, if it's a victim calling, they'll go through a quick assessment and send someone in very quickly. Or if it's someone calling in that they're observing something. And since I've been speaking about this, every single month I've had someone reach out to me, whether it's via Facebook, text, email, and let me know that they actually use the phone number. So here we go. It's 888-3737-888. Everybody put that in your cell phone. And if you're driving in your car, have somebody write it down so you can put it in your cell phone later. Because this is a really important number for you to have in your phone. It actually could save a life. Terrific. And we'll mention that again a little later on in our conversation. Really critical because you were mentioning how we might be in denial, but getting Mm -hmm. angry and realizing that each of us, we really can do something. It just takes one person to save one particular life. We do not have to be some um, megastar or something. Just caring. That's the big thing here, isn't it? It really is. You know, we spend a lot of time in our cell phones. (laughs) And and that actually disconnects us from people and disconnects us from our surrounding. And so we really encourage people to be aware. Be aware of your surroundings. There's a story of a, it was actually in the news, a couple of, of women were out, you know, it was a Friday night. They were catching up after work at a happy hour and they saw a young couple over to the side and it was clearly a first date and um, the girl got up and went to the bathroom and the guy she was with put something in her drink so one girl got up and went to the bathroom and said you're not going back to that table the other girl went over to the restaurant manager let him know what was happening they called the police and had him arrested those women were aware of their surroundings they were paying attention to what was going on and that's really all it takes you look up from your phone, you look up from your tablet, and just really kind of be with what's around you, you can actually save someone's life just by being aware. And and that's one of the things that we really train is to be aware of your surroundings. And, And if something doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And I don't protest for people to go interrupt something and put themselves in danger. I'm a little bit more um, assertive than most, so I don't really have a problem with that. And that, But that's not what I'm talking about. It's just like if you see something doesn't feel right, you can take an action and pick up the phone and call the National Trafficking Hotline. If you're a little bit braver and, you know, it's a young girl with other people around, you can, you know, interrupt it. But we really can. It's one action to save one life really can make a difference. And the fact that there are so many hundreds of thousands of children that Mm -hmm. are in this 
a terrible, terrible industry is what it is. It does need to stop. The It's really preposterous that this should happen to our kids. It really is. Now, what are the steps to actually hopefully prevent this from happening? Let's take mm. that angle for a moment if we can, mm-hmm. Jan. Sure, sure. So I did a telesummit last year, the International Freedom Fighters Telesummit, and I interviewed 16 experts from around the world. Almost every single one of them said the same thing. You want to protect your children from this. Spend time with them. Get to know them. Spend that, instead of watching TV together, do a game night. Go out, you know, spend time in family dinner. Go for a walk. Go play a ball game. Go do something with your kids so you're actually with your children. Pay attention to who they're spending time with. One of the noticeable signs of trafficking is a whole new group of, fr- of friends in high school. And and one of the things that Paving the Way is really out to alter is the recruiting tactics that people don't talk about, and that's high school you know, students recruiting other students. And when a parent notices that if a parent's spending quality time with their children, they really you know, know who their friends are, and all of a sudden a whole new group of people shows up, it's, you know, it, it's just something to notice. You don't want to interrogate your children. Who are these? But you just want to be aware. You know, can I, you know, hey, let's all I'll go over and meet their parents. And if you start to get some resistance from that, those are some of the, the red signs. Those are some of the signals. Um, watching grades drop for no apparent reason. It's not that they're now in an AP English class and they don't get it. It's they're in an AP English class. They are National Honor Society students and they're starting to fail. You know, what's going on? And if you really do spend quality time with your children, you'll start to notice the signs. If gifts all of a sudden show up, you know, brand new purse or, you know, a new jacket or blazer, it's like, well, where did that come from? Who did that, you know, who got that for you? Being able to, um, you know, notice those kinds of alterations. And the, the good news today for at least parents, is schools will notify you if your child's missed school. You know, you send your child off to school and you expect them to be going to school and, and if you continually get calls that your child's missing school, that's another that's another sign. Is they're meeting with someone or they're being with people that don't value the the um the need for education. So those are just three really simple things you can watch for. Um they're subtle changes because it's beyond the normal teenage transformation that happens you know there's there are normal teenage things every teenager goes through that it's that above and beyond it's the more secretive than normal it's spending far more time in their room and alone than they ever have before it's them losing their passion they used to love dance or they used to love theater they used to love baseball or they used to love sports and all of a sudden they decide they want to quit the team and it's not that they're doing poorly you know, it's those little subtle things like that that has them withdraw from their activities that they love, from the people that care about them, because this, these pimps try to drive a wedge between the victim and their family and their friends or support system so they can isolate them and have them be alone. So they really only trust that one person. That's when they literally lure their, them into this lifestyle because these children think they're in love. Exactly. You were mentioning how it's teens that are recruiting some of the other teens. Are mm-hmm. these 
recruiters, we'll call them that, are they actually the ones that are the pimps? Are they hired by someone to kind of do this role? What's going on? Really great question. Um, So I'm going to be a little pragmatic about this for a minute. This is a business. For these people, this is a business. And the product happens to be a human. And and that's the, the piece that a lot of people have a really hard time wrapping their head around is how can you actually sell another human? And there's, there's pimps, recruiters, and bottoms. And recruiters used to be, used to have to be on their back to earn their pay, to earn their living, to earn not, you know, to not be beaten, to not be threatened, to not be coerced. And so the recruiter's job is to recruit other girls such that they literally don't have to be on their back either anymore or as much. Bottoms actually groom the girls. They're part of the, the team that pulls these, these children in. Kate, I, this is the thing that blows most people away. One person, one child, is worth between $250,000 and $300,000 a year to pimp. So if you have a, a, they call them a stable, if you have a stable of of five to ten girls, it's a lot of money. You see, drugs is a one-time use, and you have to keep coming back. People, you can sell over and over and over again. And that's why you've got, there's a lot of drug cartels that are getting into this business because it's not traceable. This is a, a crime of shame and embarrassment and fear. See, once these children are lured in, they're threatened and coerced. If you don't participate, I'm going to hurt your family. If you don't do what I tell you to do, I'm going to hurt your friends. Now, you got to remember, these are 12, 13, 14-year-old children. Their brains are not fully matured. And for them to have the, the weight of the safety of their family and friends on their shoulder, they're going to do whatever it takes. And so as parents, if we create that safe space and something like this happens, because I've spoken to several trafficking victims and survivors now, they said, first thing they said is I should have gone to my parents. I should have said something to my parents. But they didn't have that kind of relationship that they could have. So it's really important for children to have a safe person for them to to be with, whether it's a school counselor or a trusted friend or an aunt or hopefully your parents. But that really is, that's, that's one of the quickest ways to avoid the whole lifestyle is if something like this happens, you get invited to a party or an event and you're roofied and something happens to you that night that you would never do. And then you end up with pictures on your phone the next day threatening you that if you don't do what I say, these go viral. For us to create a safe space for our children to be able to go directly to us and go, I screwed up last night, Mom. I told you I was spending the night at so-and-so's. I actually went to this party. I didn't know. This is what happened. We need to call. You know, we need to do something. That's a completely different conversation than having to deal with it by themselves. And that's where this awareness, taking the time to have the conversation, is what we are really wanting to underscore this morning, is to really focus in with our kids 
have that a relationship hopefully established but if not just know how detrimentally serious this is and and ultimately can kill them at least kills their soul which, which yeah. is actually a, a worse kind of situation but yeah. to have this conversation is what we're saying it's mm-hmm. going to really be so meaningful in the end yeah you know it's not like Kate I don't know how old you are but I would assert you're older than 20 Yes. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like it when we were kids. Right. It's, it, you know, the worst thing we had to worry about was an unplanned pregnancy. That was like the worst thing. Today, you can literally, you know, one wrong date and it could cost you your life. Because when girls get in this cycle, when girls get in this lifestyle, the the average length of their life is seven years. So if they're recruited at 13, the odds are that they won't make it past, they won't make it to their 21st birthday. And that's the sad and tragic part is our, the future of our nation, because these are our children, the future of our nation is at risk. We have no idea the potential these children have. We have no idea, regardless of the socioeconomic, demographic, or psychographic background, because that's the thing about this crime. It knows no boundary. You know, people assume that young girls on the street choose this lifestyle. I promise you, you go into a kindergarten class, a fifth grade class, and a sophomore class, and ask them what they want to be when they grow up, prostitution is not on the list. And that's really where we can make the difference, is by educating educating parents to be able to have that kind of conversation with their children. Because look, this is uncomfortable and I get it. I'm also okay with it because it's disruptive conversations like this that actually start to alter the future. Yes. It's better to be uncomfortable and have an uncomfortable conversation than think of what the other option is. Mm-hmm. So, yes. So that's what we are encouraging now. You have gone a step further in having this documentary and and other tools that we'll mention. But the documentary film is really perhaps another way to have the conversation. It will really open up incredible doors. Yes. I wrote the film in a weekend, and I wrote about things I didn't know. So I'm very clear this was a, a divine guidance sort of thing. And... When I show the film, I get those three spaces, you know, denial, anger, and helplessness. But when I show it to kids, it evokes something. They want to do something about it because they probably know children in their school that are victims of this. I showed the film at a community college here, and one of the um, people in the audience came up and asked me if they could speak with me, and I said, sure. And we went and had a little snack and and she thanked me profusely for showing the film and bringing you know shining a light on on this and and I said well you know of course you're welcome and she said um I just left the trade she was only 18 she said she'd been stripping since she was 16 um to earn money because she was here uh, um illegally from another country and and I you know I just I sat and I was with her and I listened to her and, and I said well what did your friends say and she said oh they loved watching me roll up into school in my pimp's Mercedes. So there's some conversations for us to have for uh, a group of 
children to think it's okay for one of their friends to be trafficked, there's some conversations for us to have (laughs) with our children about really the value of themselves and the value of their body and their self-worth. Because that's really what gets killed in this lifestyle is is their value. They don't get their value. Um, and so the documentary, it's a docufilm actually. The docufilm actually takes you through the process of how this young girl's recruited and really leaves you in a space of wanting to take an action. And that's what we're about is we're really about having parents have conversations with their children having friends, having teenagers and preteens be aware of what the signs are. So if there's a friend that might be exhibiting some of these, they can just let them know they're here. You know, for teachers and educators and parents to know what to look for and actually create a plan of action. If either someone's being recruited or someone is already in this lifestyle, how to safely get them out of it. Um, Because, you know, the threats and coercion is real. I I have a friend that's a survivor, and and she goes around and travels around the country sharing, and she was literally left for dead downtown Detroit. A lady of the evening found her, called the police, put her in the back of the police car, drove her home, and the next day they killed her dog because they were watching her house, and they saw a police car drive her home. So some of these threats are real. I've had several of of the people that I know that are survivors, they were beaten to the edge of death. They have knives held at their throats. They have guns held to their heads. This is a frightening, frightening business, and people don't know the implications of it, not to mention less than 5% of the young girls and young boys and men and women that are rescued off the street go into any kind of normal life. So it's, you know, 90 plus percent of the money that we spend in rehab, in rescuing them, in saving them is for naught. They go right back into that lifestyle. So paving the way is really about preventing this through education, empowering our children such that they don't get sucked into this lifestyle. And what we need to realize, at such a young age, they are so impressionable that sadly it's understandable why they go back into it they've been i think so damaged in that way they can't see themselves any other way exactly right so it's important oh we can't even stress how critically important it is to have these conversations to have this awareness to really work at the prevention end of this so that we don't even have to go down the other side of the path but the way to do that is to have these conversations, to become informed ourselves. You have a great website that's going to really open us up to all the tools that you have to offer, Jan. Thank you. Yeah, it's stoptraffickingtoday.com. And right on the home page, you can click on it and you can download a one sheet that shows the signs of trafficking. I've got a video blog about recruitment tactics under underneath blogging and then we also have um, a audio clip from my telesummit from an officer of the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. So there's all kinds of great tools on our website because we're really committed. People have access to what they need to learn about this to have the conversations. And one of the things that we're doing this um, uh, later on this fall, this year, is I'm actually taking this film and traveling across country. Um, I'm stopping at colleges and high schools 
in communities from here all the way to California uh, to show my film and to educate the students and the parents and the teachers about what this is and how it happens and what they can do to prevent it. And here you are, one woman who has had this mm-hmm. passionate idea, and look what you have been able to create, and you're wanting to share it. No one has to actually go out and create their own model. This is so simple to tap into and really participate in. Exactly, and that's the whole goal, is we really do want to make it simple. And, you know, I invite, I, I love coming out and, and, and speaking with people. I, I love, you know, interacting with the with the audience because we show the film and it leaves people in a space. And then we have a conversation. And, and, and we have a similar conversation in the training, but it's really for people to do the critical thinking. Because I'm just one person. I don't have all the solutions. I don't. And so we really invite and engage with the audience to have them think about what would you do if you were at a party and you watch somebody put something in somebody else's drink, and you might not even be their friend. Like, they may be the popular crowd, and you're not that. What would you do? And really have them think about it so they actually have a plan of action versus seeing it and freezing and not knowing what to do. Because we really want to empower people and give you the tools to take an action, a meaningful action that can make a difference and save a life. The thing is, this is sadly too real. It is happening. So to mm-hmm. think, oh, that's a great idea. Maybe we should do that. No, this is like it's happening. It's our kids, as you were saying so appropriately, so correctly, Jan. These are our future. You know, we mm-hmm. we can't afford to waste even one young life. Mm-mm. No, we really can't. You know, there's one of the national statistics is there's approximately 1.2 million children that run away every year, and over half of them have performed some sort of sexual act for either food, shelter, or transportation. That's staggering to think about that. You know, when a child runs away, the, the potential for them to be sucked into that lifestyle is very high. Because you think it's a good idea until you get out on the street and realize, well, it's cold. Where am I going to stay? I'm hungry. Where am I going to eat? And these predators know this. And they try and befriend you and, oh, I'll take care of you. You can sleep on my couch. It'll all be okay. And the next thing you know, you're turning tricks. And that's really the important piece is, you know, a lot of children run away because their home life is not optimal. And so it's really having parents get their responsibility that they brought this child into the world, you know, for the next 18 years, it's our responsibility. I'm a parent. It's our responsibility to have them be functioning people in society. And there's tools everywhere. You know, churches have tools. Um, YMCAs have tools. There's, you know, almost every single community college in in, um, middle school, elementary school, and high school has parenting classes. So there's resources out there to help us deal with what it takes to be a parent. Because it does take something. (laughs) So, you know, to be able to give the parents the tools that provides a safe environment for our children to thrive is super important. And to be able to have this kind of knowledge and education so they can have that kind of conversation with their child. And even if you're an older sibling and, and you're listening to this and you can share this with your younger siblings, you know, it really is a family and community effort for us to save our kids. Absolutely. And to realize that, again, it's not something that you have to do in isolation. 
the community is becoming so much more aware which is so important, we can really band together and really do this together, it will make the task easier. It really will. And, you know, you've got a, some great resources up there in Seattle. So, um, you know, you can always call the National Trafficking Hotline. That number, again, is 888-3737-888. And Seattle actually has, um, it's Seattle Against Slavery. So there's several organizations in your area that people can reach out to, too. Actually, your advocacy day is January 11th, <laughs> coming up this weekend. Yes. And and that's what is so important to realize is that you're across in Florida, we're mm-hmm. here, mm-hmm. and we're talking about this happening all over the country. So we mm-hmm. are a united force. We need to look at that as being a team together to really confront this and really save our youth, save our kids. Yes, yes absolutely. That's, you know, it's educating them, empowering them to prevent them from being lured into this life. Exactly. That's our goal. That's our goal. And they are more than welcome to visit stoptraffickingtoday.com and download our free resources. You can also reach out to me and say, yes, please come talk to our kids. You can send us an email right from our website. You can also follow us on social media, Paving the Way on Facebook and Paving the Way FL on Twitter and Paving the Way on Instagram. All great resources. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. As you have been this morning, Jan Edwards, I so greatly appreciate you. You are just such a light in this world and really to inspire us and let us see what each of us can do. This has truly been an inspiration. Thank you so much for your work and for spending time with us this morning. Thank you so much, Kate, for the opportunity. I really do appreciate it.